June 2nd, 2023. We're in Masechet and Daf Kaf Amud Bet. And we'll go back to 11 lines from the bottom where the Gemara began with a question. There was a question that was posed to the rabbis, the scholars, to those who were learning in the Midrash. The opinion, which has been the primary opinion we've been dealing with throughout, and that is that Nedarim and Nedavot, the optional, the uh, donation um, sacrifices, um, which are not allowed to be brought on holiday, what happened if according to the opinion that they shouldn't be brought, avar v'shahat mai. If a person goes ahead into the mikdash and against the will of those who are deciding the halakha or against the halakha itself, the person slaughters the animal against that halakha on Yom Tov. What is his next stage and, uh, and sequence of events? Is he to just leave the animal? Or is he alternatively to go through with the seder ha'avodah with regards to zirikat adam? Is it appropriate, is it right for him now to take to collect the blood as he normally would, sprinkle it on the Mizbeach as the way it would normally be when a sacrifice was brought in the appropriate fashion? Or alternatively, since this sacrifice, this neder, nedava, wasn't supposed to be brought, maybe the zirikat hadam is inappropriate. The zirikah, which part? The shahita or the zirikah? That he slaughtered it in the first place? What the Gemara had told us until now is it's in Isur Deoraita. Now, the next stages, though, once you violated that, the question is the Zerikat Adam. Zerikat Adam will be rabbinic in nature. It'll only be Shevut. It's not to say that it's permitted, but that's going to be the question. Is it. Once you violated, well, you shouldn't have done that. However, it's dealing with the stages afterwards. Stages afterwards are either rabbinically uh, prohibited or the rabbi said, oh, that's okay, once you did this. It's not that we wanted you doing it. We're not giving a stamp of approval. We're saying, once you did it, or we're not, you know, the words of Jared, I said, we're not going to leave the animal now, just there. Let the, uh, the korban go through. Yes. What is that so, word mean, Zirikat means to throw or to sprinkle. What's that? Why not? Says the Gemara, I mean, we don't have Kohanim who don't know Halakha any longer, but you know, Kohanim ones. Anyway, says the Gemara, Rava Amar Zoreket Adam Almenat Lehatir Basar Ba'akhila. Rava Bar Ravuna Amar Zoreket Adam Almenat Lehaktir Imurin La'erev. There's a dispute between Rava and Rava Bar Ravuna about the circumstance wherein it would be permitted to go ahead with the zirika, the sprinkling of the blood. According to the first opinion, that of Rava, well, it's permitted provided that the flesh, the body, the basar of the animal will be consumed by both the Kohanim and the owners, the Be'alim afterwards. Why is that a necessary component? Because after all, the slaughtering and the uh, sacrifice will need to have a human involvement. If there's no human involvement, then you shouldn't be doing this on Yom Tov at all. You shouldn't have in the first place slaughtered this on Yom Tov. Once you did so, well, we can find some room for leniency, says Rava. The rabbis might permit at this stage if you're going to eat from the flesh and enhance your Yom Tov. It's going to ultimately be speaking be something that you'll be eating from. Uh, that's Rava's opinion. Um, the Gemara will in a moment make clear. Therefore, according to Rava, if the flesh, if the basar of the animal afterwards became tameh, became contaminated or got lost, 
you wouldn't be able to do zirikah. The only way and the only matter which is permitting the zirikah afterwards is the fact that you'll eat the, blo- you'll eat the meat. Alternatively, Rabbah Barav Huna says, you're too stringent, Rabbah. That's an unnecessary stringency. The fact that this is a sacrifice which has stages that are still pending, one of them being Haktarat Imurin, that the innards of the animal will need to be burnt at night, well, that in and of itself is enough and sufficient to say you should do the zirikat adam so that at night you could then burn the rest of the animal, which is going to be brought onto the misbeh. In other words, according to Rabbah, the fact that you won't necessarily be able to eat the, eat the flesh is not a reason to prohibit over here. We're willing to and should look at this as an animal, yes, where flesh is either gone or became contaminated, but it's still an animal with parts of it which could and should be followed through with regards to the avodah, the worship of this process of a korban. Says the Gemara. Zedikat adam is for the heter basal. You won't be able to eat from the flesh if you don't do the zedikat. The Zerikah is on the Mizbeah. But the Zerikah, if the Zerikah, in other words, yes, but if you're not going to finish the process, it seems to be. Uh, so his way of articulating is, if you're going to do the whole process, aside from the eating, all right, if you're going to do the whole process, all right, then we're going to permit the zirikah. If you're just going to do the zirikah, it sounds like Rabbi Baraf says, and you're not going to finish it off at night, so what are we, we're permitting on the holiday to do something, you're not even going to finish the process? That, that's, that seems to be the logic, that seems to be the wording of Rabbi Baraf Says, Gemara, my benayu, what's the difference, ma benehem? Sure, but you don't have the flesh. That's the we're dealing with. You don't have the. You have to have the flesh over here because then otherwise you only sprinkle the blood. Right? According to Rava, according to Rabba. According to Rava, the first Rava, opinion. Yeah. You have to have the flesh, the ability to eat the flesh. Right. Otherwise, you can't sprinkle the blood. Right. And when you now learned on your head and bed says so if you ended up doing it, then they're bringing the korban, just switch it to the korban sukkah. And I, I understand, but you should, I hear what you're saying. Ultimately speaking, you weren't supposed to slaughter this in the first place. Uh, so, uh, you weren't supposed to slaughter it. So now that you slaughtered it according to Rafa, okay, I mean, you, you can eat the flesh anyway. You want to eat the uh, flesh, but... It's not me. You're still doing the varisur. You still did a varisur no matter what. Even if it was Korban Sumar? Because it wasn't. You turned you, you you your mind after. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it needs to be at the time of the slaughtering. That's what I'm slaughtering. What would be the difference between these two opinions? The difference between the two is, as we mentioned a moment ago, if the flesh of the animal became tameh, became contaminated, or it got lost. According to the first opinion, where there's a condition, the condition is that you eat from the flesh, the basar of the animal, lazarik, you wouldn't do the zirika. You wouldn't do the sprinkling throng of the blood in the mikdash. According to second opinion, well, you can still do haktarat imurin. You'll still burn the innards of the animal at night, and that in and of itself is sufficient to say that you can and should do zirika. Okay, this is what we're up to in the Gemara. The Gemara now challenges that second opinion. Second opinion, that of Rabbah Barav Huna, who maintained that in order to permit the zirika, we don't need a subsequent eating from the flesh. Even the fact that you'll just burn it at night, that's sufficient. We have a question from the following Beraita. Metive, 
כבשה עשרת ששחטן שלא לשמן, או ששחטן בין לפני זמנן, בין לאחר זמנן. Here's the circumstance. As we mentioned yesterday, on Aseret, Aseret refers to Shavuot, there was a specific korban which was brought. It's known as the korban sheteh alechem because there were two loaves of bread brought together with it. But as we mentioned yesterday, there were also two kvasim, two of these animals which were brought as korban shelamim, shalmesibur, for the entire congregation. The animals and the loaves of bread were picked up, as I mentioned yesterday, and you did tenufah, you waved them, you raised them up and down. And that's the way this sort of, uh, this, this sacrifice on Shavuot went. So here's uh, not focusing on the bread this time, we're focusing on the kivasim, on the animals themselves. Kivseh aseret, but you didn't, the Kohanim didn't, handle it them appropriately. Shishihatan shelolishman, they were slaughtered without the proper intention. I don't know what the intention was, but it wasn't with the intention expressly for kivseh aseret. Now that's a problem. The shechita, the slaughtering, needs to be with the proper intention. It needs to be lishma. If it's not lishma, well, we'll talk in a moment, but I'll tell you already now, the halakha is that you can still eat the flesh, you can still even sacrifice when something was slaughtered shelo lishman, ela shelo alu labe'alim l'shem chova. They don't fulfill the mandate, the responsibility of the person who brought it. Which means to say, if I brought a sacrifice to the Mikdash, I slaughtered it without the proper intention, even though it will subsequently be sacrificed and brought and followed through, I still owe the Mikdash whatever it is that I donated. That's the first Mishnah Masechet Zevachim teaches us that. So here's the circumstance. The Kohanim go ahead and they slaughter without the proper intention. I don't, what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean? So, yeah. So we're not going to have an identical situation, but we're going to have a halachically relevant situation. Oh, it's a moment ago what we learned about was where the person accidentally or whatever went against the law. Over here, it was lishma. It was lishma. It was just that you weren't supposed to be bothered on Yom Tov. It wasn't an issue of lishma per se. It was, what we're talking about, the outcome in both of these situations are going to be identical. The outcome will be we think will be identical, but whatever, is going to be a situation where you had a problematic shechita um, and then a leftover flesh. What's the halakha in such a circumstance, right? And so so that, that's why we bring this as an, as an analog. Alternatively, you did it with the proper intention, the Kohen did, with the kivseh aseret, with the sacrifice which is supposed to be brought on Shavuot, but he preempted. I don't know what he was thinking. He did it before Shavuot. I don't know what he was thinking. He forgot to do it on Shavuot. He did it after Shavuot. Those situations as well. Uh, listen, the flesh is going to be eaten. You're going to be makriv, the, the sacrifice entirely. However, it's not fulfilling the obligation of the person or people who, who dedicated it. What's the halakha? As I just mentioned to you, hadam yizarek, the blood is, is sprinkled, it's thrown on the mizbeach, vehabbasar yeachel, and the flesh is eaten. That much uh, is, is clear, it's what I made clear. However, v'im hayeta shabbat lo yizrok, v'im zarak hursa al menat lehaktir imurin la'erev. So the statement furthermore in the, in the, in the beraita is, if it was shabbat, where there's going to be a shavuot. You did the shechitan shabbat. You were supposed to do the shechitan shabbat, but you did the wrong shechitan shabbat. 
Or alternatively, you did the shahita before Shabbat or after Shabbat. Now you're standing on Shabbat with the flesh there in front of you. What are you supposed to do with the remaining, remaining stuff of the mizbe, of the korban? So what's the halakha? Im Shabbat lo yizrok. Don't do the zirika. Why shouldn't you do the zirika again? It's called shivut. You. Everything we're talking about is only Asum Rabbanan. And even though it's in the Mikdash, which is what Jared's, I think, referring to, is that we generally speak and say, En Shebut Ba Mikdash, there's clear... That's right. No, no, we know such a principle. There's clearly a... First of all, we know there are certain Shebuts. I know we had it by the Ritia in the Mikdash. There are certain realities where even the rabbi said, this is an appropriate, this is a necessary safeguard in the Mikdash. That's clearly what's going on over here. Uh, what happens if you went ahead on Shabbat against the will and statement of the rabbis and did a zirikah? It's hursa. You can, and as a result, lirsot means to means to want it. It's so to speak wanted. It's accepted, and that evening you can burn the innards, the imurim of the of uh, the the sacrifice of the animal that you brought. All right. So pause for a second. Let's just uh, take that all in. It was a sacrifice which, at the time of slaughtering, much like our other one, you did something wrong. In our case, nedarim and nedavot, you shouldn't have slaughtered at all. Over here, you should be slaughtering, but you did it at the wrong time. You did it with the wrong intention. What are you left with? You're left with a sticky situation. This second beraita, beraita, not one of the rabbis from the Gemara, Rabbar, Baravuna, or Rava, makes clear for us you should not go ahead and be throwing the blood. Im zarak, if you went ahead, okay, so finish it by burning it that evening. But wait a second, why shouldn't I be throwing the blood? Why shouldn't it? Clearly, clearly in such a circumstance, in this situation, our statement is the zirika should not be, under all circumstances, permitted. The Gemara is asking on our second opinion. On Rabba Baravuna, Rabba Baravuna, you said that just by bringing the sacrifice into the Mikdash and slaughtering it, now go through with the process, finish it up. Uh, not so. Clearly, in this situation, we're not doing so. It's clear from the wording of this beraita. Di'evid means after the fact. If you if you threw the blood, if you um, went ahead and threw the blood, okay. You should not have thrown the blood. You should not be doing that in such a situation. It seems like a clear question on our Rabba Baravuna, who said in a situation where you slaughtered wrong, you can, without a problem, go ahead and do the zirikah. This Beraita says, no, not so fast. Bishlama Rava Niha, it's understood, says the Gemara. Bishlama means it's understood. Niha means it's pleasant. Noah, according to Rava, Rava told us only if you're going to consume the flesh, in such a circumstance, is it permitted? But what about according to our second opinion, who stipulates that the situation where you're allowed to go ahead and do the zirikah is always, as long as you're going to burn the fats that evening, as long as you're going to burn their innards that evening. That's the case over here. Why is it only di'evit? Why is it only after the fact? Why shouldn't we tell you, go do the zirikah, says the Gemara, kashya. What's the answer of the Gemara? It's a difficulty. That's it, that's it. I'm going to give one, I'll give one other answer, but that's the initial answer. The initial answer is, Rabba Barafuna, we don't have an answer for it. It's rare that you see uh, someone letting down so quickly. Yeah, one second. Next line from so the Gemara. If it's a mistake, you can burn. If it's a, a question of Kabbalah, you can't. Why would we right. distinction? That was that, that's what the Gemara is pointing out is a reality. Why should I distinguish like that? Ultimately speaking, 
And by the way, we didn't say mistake. It was a mistake in action. The guy may have done it by, on purpose or by mistake. We don't know. But ultimately speaking, there was a problem. That's why I'm generalizing. The Gemara is generalizing. The slaughter was wrong. Either you did it wrong or you shouldn't have done it at all, whatever the circumstances. The aftermath of that is I have blood. What do I do with that blood? Well, one of the opinions said, you always go and sprinkle it. No questions asked. This Beraita, which is an earlier source, no, not so fast. If you went ahead and did it, all right, what are we going to do? But you shouldn't have done it. It's Imzarak. That's why the Gemara says Kasha. How many people have said that one was a mistake and one was a mistake? So, two things. I, I answered Alan twofold. Number one, who said it was a mistake? Avar the Shahat, who said we're only talking about a mistake. The Gemara was talking about any situation. You went against the Halakha. The Gemara says, the Gemara doesn't say you made a mistake. You, you made that up. Number two, why should you distinguish? What, what's the difference? No, I'll tell you, what's the difference? Please. When, when, when I don't have the Kavana, there's no intention. There's never a sight for me to be upset the Korban. So, of course, I'm not going to be Zorek the Dham. Because I didn't have the Kavana, I didn't have the Korban. But when I did it, and I, and I just, it was the wrong time and Shabbat, I didn't know, of course, I didn't have to bring my Korban. I'm going to make it worse for you, okay? It's not the same thing, and don't, don't, uh, don't ask me on the technical. We have a concept called mitzvah haba'aba'avera. We can sometimes say that even though you had the right intentions with regards to what you wanted to do, if the method to get in there was wrong, it can be worse than anything else. So effectively, when avar v'shahat, you sinned in order to get yourself there. You say, no, 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 that's better than when I just made a mistake. Maybe it's worse. You know, all right, I'm saying you could say it either way. As a result, the Gemara imagines them as similar. Alternatively, the Gemara says four lines at the top here on Daf Kafalaf Amudal, alternatively, a different answer for that second opinion of Baba Rafuna, vi ba'it is a compound word, vi vi'im ba'it tirse. If you want, ema, say. In other words, a different answer. Instead of letting up and just saying, kashya, I don't have an answer, you could suggest shane, it's different, shevut, shabbat. Maybe specifically this Beraita, which it does say, is talking about on Shabbat. Maybe Shabbat, the rabbis, built greater restrictions. And as a result, you shouldn't be doing the Zerika when you're in a wrongful Shechita situation. Yom Tob, we still have Shavuot, we still have rabbinic restrictions. However, they're looser, and Rabbi Barav Huna might argue on Yom Tob, it's more light, it's looser with regards to the Zerika as opposed to on Shabbat. Okay, that's what we have thus far in the Gemara. That wraps up that conversation. We will, uh, for a little bit more, return to the concepts of Nedarim and Nedavot on Shabbat, but we'll bring it in a different direction. Here's how the Gemara goes. The Hiluk is difficult because we don't really find that in Talmud general. No, it's a very important question. Words, why did the Gemara initially say Kashya? It's rare that the Gemara would Why didn't just give you an answer? Uh, the answer has to be to your question is, in order to, to, to hold up such a second answer, you need proof for that. You need proof that the rabbis really did distinguish rabbinically between Shabbat and Yom Tov in the domain where it's rabbinically prohibited. I'm not certain you really have it, and if you do, you'll have to stretch. That's why the Gemara said Kashya. So the Gemara now brings us a little bit of it. It pivots to the side for a moment and quotes a question which will lead us into a conversation that's related to what we've discussed. But it starts with Ba'amine. Ba'amine means there was a question which was posed from Rav Avya Sabah Meravhuna. He asked this Rav Avya Sabah to Rav Huna the following question. Behema, if there's an animal, shel nochri shel Yisrael. If it's an animal which is a, a partnership, now it doesn't need to be per se half Jew and half non-Jew. It can be uh, three quarters or 
non-Jew and 1% Jewish. Regardless, the idea or the opposite, 99 and 1. If in this animal there's a, a, a ownership, a stake, uh, both for a Jew and a non-Jew, what's the mahu leshohata biyom tob? What's the halacha with regards to slaughtering it on yom tob? Pause for a second. We did learn something just now on dafkafa mudbet, maybe a day or two ago, that the pasuk said lachem. For you, and Beit Hillel interpreted that as lachem velo lekutim. In other words, the slaughtering and any work which you're going to do, melacha on Yom Tob, for production of food needs to be for you. Well, clearly can't be for non-Jews, what if it's for you and the non-Jews? The same action, the slaughtering, same action of anything I'm going to be doing, the cooking afterwards, but we're talking about the slaughtering right now, it'll be effective and affecting both me and the non-Jew, and you can't separate it. Because we have we have either equal or partial ownership in the same. No sacrifice. No sacrifice. This is for lunch, for lunch, for his business, for whatever it is. Shechitah. No sacrifice. So what's the halacha with regards? That's why I said it's not going to be directly. But we're going to bring in the darim and But we're talking about just for lunch, just for dinner. Amarle, the response of Rav Huna to Rav Aviyasaba, who asked him this question, was mutar. He says it's permitted. Even though, ultimately speaking, in the slaughter, uh, there's going to be meat which is now per, uh, given over. You're doing an action, taking the life from the animal uh, to free the non-Jew to eat from it as well. Uh, the, the expressed purpose of this slaughtering was for myself. I was going to be for the non-Jew as well. Similar in this respect then too. I'm going to slaughter and I'm not going to eat it all on Yom Tov. I'm going to eat some of it after Yom Tov. It's Asur now. Not be allowed to prepare for after Yom Tov, but I'm slaughtering it so that I can eat it on Yom Tov. I won't be able to eat it if I don't slaughter it now. I'm slaughtering it for myself. Happens to be the non-Jew will get some benefit from it as well. There's no such thing. So in other words, you're either slaughtering because we don't, we, we look the other way on the fact that the other part of it will help the non-Jew or you don't slaughter at all. You can't slaughter half an animal. That's the point. In other words, the Gemara will contrast this in a bit, I'm sorry, to dough. The Gemara afterwards will contrast it to dough, D-O-U-G-H, right? And dough, I can say, I have, I have Isa, I work in a, a bakery of some sort, and I have a, a partnership together with the non-Jew, or in my home, whatever the circumstance is, over there, well, I could just separate. I could separate, I say, that's yours, and this is mine, and I'm baking mine. Over here, you can't separate, it's an animal. So the starting point of the Gemara is that I should, maybe shouldn't, even though I need food, I have nothing to eat, yes. me and my dad, I should not be able to slaughter the cow because I'm hungry because the head also is going to eat No, no, not going to eat from it. Not going to eat from it. And Nanju owns part of it. Oh, Nanju owns it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your share. And I'm going to eat from it. Well, he's going to get his part. The one to do is I'm slaughtering an animal that's half one by me and half one by Yes. Or 99 by me, one by him, whatever. The old guy's speaking. So that, that we'll, we'll address in the Gemara later on. In other words, if you're making it and you'll be serving it to others, we'll deal with that. But right now, we see we're permitting, even if you're not serving, even if it's, I mean, so you understand. Important question as well. If it's an actual melacha, we know the answer is no. That's lachem velo lakotim. It needs to be for you. If it's 100% for non-Jews, it's prohibited. You're not allowed to do melacha. If it's a melacha and it's only for them, no. So you're making a dish just for the help on Yom Tov with full bishul, not, not, not mutar. Can't find, can't find leniency. Uh, it's not, not so, so hard to get around that, but we'll have to 
deal with how to do. Anyway, so the Gemara says, Amar le mutar. Amar le Rav Sabah responds now to Rav Huna. He says, wait a second, Rabbi, why is it mutar? I don't understand what's the difference between this situation and Nedarim and Nedavot. How so? Now, of course, we have to add in a lehavdil, uh, but uh, he's being, uh, he's being, um, he's bringing them together. He's following analogy. He says, well, let's look at Nedarim and Nedavot. There is a partial ownership to you and another being in this animal. Ultimately speaking, I am slaughtering. Some of the flesh is going to me, a little bit to the Kwanim, and to Borei Olam. Borei Olam, you're not allowed to uh, just bring for him, are you? No, you're not allowed to bring an ola on Yom Tob. You're not allowed to bring an uh, maybe ola tariya, but not ola nedava. If it's a donation, it's a sacrifice, which going entirely to God. Even Betila, everybody said you're not allowed to just slaughter and give entirely to God if, unless it's obligatory. Oh, wait a second. What about a neder or nedava of shulamim? I'm going to eat some of it and quote unquote, I mean, a lot of quotes over here, and God's going to eat some of it, permitted or not permitted. We've been saying it's not permitted. Why is it not permitted? I'm doing it for my own consumption. Same thing over here with the non-Jew. I'm slaughtering it for my own eating. He's getting his part as well. I'm slaughtering this animal for my eating. I'm giving some to God. You didn't hear my introduction, it was for you, Nathan. I said, Lehavdil, with underlines. <laughs> On purpose. I knew where I, I've, I've made enough of these mistakes. This time it's the Gemara, but I've made enough of these mistakes in my life. No, 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 no. Lehavdil, we are. Yes, for, all, for, for the purpose of this Gemara, we are, because the Gemara is saying it's not fully owned by you. In the same way, you're not allowed to do it just for God, so too, you're not allowed to Lehavdil, do it just for the non Jew. Question is, when I'm doing it partial, you told me that I'm not permitted with regards to the non Jew. How come it's permitted for God? So you say, it's Borei Olam. I hear you, but ultimately speaking, if I'm not allowed to do it just for Borei Olam, why should this be lighter? Well, I'm not. It's an it's an optional sacrifice. It's an optional sacrifice that I get credit for with Borei Olam. I'm not to. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Amar le, Rav Huna's response is, Orva parah. He points out the window. He says, oh look, there's a raven passing by. Uh, explains Rashi, why is he saying that, Tim? Orev ha-poreh lema'ala. Hesio ledavar acher. He tried to distract him. He didn't want to deal with this conversation right now. Yeah, it was a subject changer. Rabbeinu Hananel alternatively says, it's a way of, uh, of rebuking him. Rabbeinu Hananel says to him, hey, you're like a kid who goes and plays with uh, ravens outside. What type of question is that? All right, but what's the answer? I, mean, I, just, I thought it was a strong question. Everyone else thinks it's not a question. Maybe you're Rav Hunaris. Says the Gemara, Kinafak, um, when Rav Avyasabal leaves the house, or the Midrash, so Rav Huna is sitting there and the student is asking him the question, Kinafak, when the student goes out, Amale Rabbah Bere, the son of Rav Huna, Rabbah, turns to his father and says, Dad, Lavhainu Rav Avyasabal de Mishtabeach Lemor Begave. Is that not, is that not, more that my master, my father, you're always praising him, that he's a gavra, means a person, a great person. Isn't that the student you've been talking about? Isn't that the one I've heard so much about from you, dad, that you say he's the greatest student, he's got such great questions, fine understanding? You just, heck, you just uh, waved him off with that question? What happened? Uh, you didn't even give him an answer. You either rebuked him by saying, look at the uh, ravens, or you distracted him without giving him the, uh, a minute of your time and thinking about it. Amar Le responds Rav Huna to his son. He says, listen, 
So I understand. He's a good student. It was even a good question. What could I do for him? I am today. He cites a pasuk from Shir Hashirim. Uh, let me just read to you the pasuk in its entirety. There's three more words to the four more words to the pasuk. Kiholat ahava ani. Holat ahava ani means I'm love stricken. I'm ill with love. The idea being I'm not feeling well. What is the earlier part of the pasuk? Samikuni ba'ashishot means uh, bring close to me food, fine food, maybe uh, flour and uh, wine. Uh, resuscitate me, give me a little hot. Rapeduni batapohim, surround me with uh, something pleasant smelling like uh, apples or quinces. Let that be around my bed. Notice there's a reference in the pasuk in Shir Hashirim in the context of love strickenness, but for our purposes, Ravuna is saying, I'm not feeling well. Today, I'm not at the top of my game. I need to eat a little. I'm not feeling great. Why is he not feeling great? Rashi helps us with that. Today is Yom Tov. What do you mean? You should be feeling at the... None of you are rabbis. I was teaching the whole day in, the, in public. I got... Uh, I got worn out from the derasha. Says I've been working the whole day. I say it all the time. All of you take off on Shabbat. That's when I start working. So, you know, he says, I know everybody's resting. I know your minds are sharper than ever, says Ravuna. I'm worn out. I wasn't able to answer in this moment. Uba'amine, back in the Gemara, and he asked from me, milta, a matter, a, a thing, the ta'ama, which needs ta'ama, which needs reason, which needs rationale, which needs understanding. I'm not, my mind is not there right now. Spent the whole day speaking and teaching and uh, dealing with the uh, masses. Okay, so now says the Gemara. Rashi says now the Gemara takes over. You're right. Interesting. Uh, maybe he would explain, even though he doesn't help us with it, these next few words in the Gemara. Well, in other words, if it's conceding, I didn't have the answer. Why is he rebuking him? Uh, unless he's rebuking him in the moment. He's pretending he's rebuking him. But good point. Um, the Gemara now says, V'ta'ama mai? Question mark. Rashi says, Ta'ama mai? Subyad Gemarahu. The story is over. And now the Gemara says, Okay, that's the story. We never got an answer from Rav Huna. So what is the difference? How could you uphold his opinion or the halakha that if you shohet an animal, chetzoshel Yisrael, chetzoshel akum, it's permitted, but nedarim and nedavot on the holiday is forbidden. Ta'amamai answers the Gemara, behema chetzashel nochri vechetzashel Yisrael mutar l'shachata b'yom tov, di'i efshal l'kazayit basar belo shechita. First and foremost, on the one hand, with regards to the flesh, the animal, it's impossible to slaughter and eat with, or excuse me, to eat without slaughtering. You can't, can't get to the eating without slaughtering. It's impossible to eat even a little bit of flesh without slaughtering. If in theory you would say, all right, I have two choices. Here's the animal. It belongs to you and to the Nanjo. Slaughter half of it or just take off. At the There's no such thing. You have to slaughter the whole thing. So my express purpose, you say, what are you doing right now? I'm slaughtering for myself. Oh, wait a second, but, but someone else is going to, yeah, someone else will eat for me as well. But my purpose over here is to slaughter for myself. The question is the intention. The question is how to characterize the action. It's a slaughtering for myself. Oh, why, why didn't you just slaughter half of it? No such thing. Why didn't you not slaughter at all? No such thing. It's impossible to eat from the flesh without a full shechita. Aval. 
Nidarim nidavot asur l'shahatan b'yom tov. When it comes to nidarim nidavot, the sacrifices, it's qualitatively different. The action, what's taking place, we characterize it as different. How so? The kohanim. Ki kazachu mishuhan kavoa kazachu. I quoted this line to you back in the Mishnah when I was challenged about this. Maybe I should have left it for the punchline over here, but the Gemara then tells us it's a different action. When I bring a sacrifice, to the Mikdash, and you say to me, what are you doing? Now, it's true, I, my wife, my family, the Kohanim, we're all going to partake in eating from this animal. It's going to be delicious. But when you say to me, what are you doing? I say, I'm going to sacrifice to God. No, no, what do you mean? I know you're, you're look at you, salivating. No, 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 I'm salivating because I'm about to sacrifice this to God. But you are going to eat from it. But this is a sacrifice to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Kohanim, and by extension, Rashi says, Yisrael, ki kazahu, when you merit, when you're able to take the flesh, where are you getting the flesh from? Mishoham Gavoah, from the upper table of Borei Olam. In other words, the slaughtering of an animal for me, well, that's what it is. It's a slaughtering for me, and the rest will go to someone else. I'll save it for after Yom Tov, whatever it is. But I'm slaughtering it for my meal right now. You ask me, what's taking place? He's slaughtering for himself. When he's sacrificing, when he's slaughtering in the Mikdash, why is he slaughtering for God? Oh, but isn't he going to take food? Sure, so to speak, he's taking it from the table of God afterwards. God says, here's your shirai, and here's your leftover. You can go and eat from this. That's the distinction then, says Ravuna, or says the Gemara for Ravuna. Whereas on the one hand, nedarim and nedavot, it's asur l'shohatan b'yom tov. Oh, wait a second, I am going to eat from it, but primarily, fundamentally, the heading of what you're doing is an action for God, not for yourself. What's that? You could also eat meat at any time, and you could have slaughtered before Yom Tov and all that sort of business. I hear you. That's so right. No, 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 quite the opposite. Even though you're going to eat from it and it's going to God, you still can't bring it. Why not? Because it's Hashem's korban. It's the flesh of God, and the truth is you're going to eat from it, but that's only because he gave you some of it. That's, that's prohibited. Uh, so the distinction then of the Gemara fundamentally and really gives us the rationale, brings us back to understanding Beti Leila and Mishnah. The reason the Darim and the Davot are prohibited on Yom Tov, even though I'm going to eat from it, is because... When we eat from it, we're getting it from God. It was an action which was dedicated to God. As beautiful as that is, that's not permitted on Yom Tov. That's in contrast, in parentheses now in our Gemara, to when you slaughter an animal which is partially owned by you and by a non-Jew, you're slaughtering it for yourself. Happens to be that the non-Jew will be taking a little bit or a lot of it as well. But the primary function and action that you're doing is Lachem is for yourself. Baruch Amen, Amen,